Ladies and gentlemen and other fellow humans, welcome back to Discovery Debrief, a podcast setting a course to discuss the future of the final frontier in Star Trek Picard, Strange New Worlds, Discovery, Lower Decks, and more. I'm co-host Cicero Holmes, and I'm joined by one member of our bold panel of Star Trek franchise explorers, my number one, Ty Monaghan. How you doing, Ty? Yes, greetings, Commander. Most bold, most bold, most logical to be here with you today. Yes, uh, and congratulations. Uh, actually, everyone on our panel is too old to be assimilated, uh, as we learned. So, uh, <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, uh, back to join us once again in, is the singular creator and host of the YouTube channel, Trexpertise, Mr. Kyle Sullivan. Kyle, thanks for joining us yet again. Thanks for having me. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm happy. Let's do this. All right. All right. Uh, completing our compliment is returning friend and co-host of the Wizard of the Coast Dragon Talk podcast. And my personal friend, allow us to re-engage with the co-host of the Re-Engage podcast, my friend Greg Tito. Hey, Greg, how you doing? Thank you for coming back, man. I'm very excited. Thanks for having me back, Cicero. Uh, excited to jump into this episode and really just reaffirm my love of uh, Borg Queens. There we go. Yes. Borg, Borg Queens for everyone. <laughs> there are enough Borg Queens for everyone, I think. You can't get enough, really. Right. So many of them. <laughs> really? Um, yes. But I'm, if I'm over 25, does that mean I can't hook up with a Borg Queen? I'm not, what it, are the just rules? Means, it just means that you guys are on equal footing. Right, she can't just take over you and just tell you what to do. I unless see. your eyes go red. Right. Yes. I unless see. your eyes okay. go red. Yes. Okay. Exactly. Okay. You didn't uh, see what that queen did to Jack? It just works differently. It's more right. mild. <laughs> 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 uh, <laughs> You're crossing a line, sir. Right. <laughs> Picard started dropping f bombs, and that that line got crossed. That is true. We That's true. He, it. yeah, he is. He's he's he wiped the the line out with his foot like an umpire. Um, the clouds, unfortunately, are currently lost in a Disney nebula. But <laughs> a little more they, family friendly, right? They will be back next week to discuss the series finale with us. So that's that's good to know. Um, but you know, let's let's actually check in with the, with the people that are here. Uh, Ty, uh, we're going to start with you. So it it seemed like for a for a long period of time that the DS Nine rewatch was just like you were like sitting right in the pocket for this it show. Seemed so relevant. Yes. Do you do you still feel that way? Are you still on your hyper focus ds9 rewatch well okay so like with like three episodes of picard to go i had like three seasons of ds9 to go and it was like uh oh we better like watch the hell out of this show right like let's try and finish deep space nine like season seven before we finish this you know season three of picard we're not doing that anymore (laughs) (laughs) we have to get our time and enjoying deep space nine uh, you know, we're in season six. It's full. It's full like war footing. Um, I think they did this like fantastic thing where they just like without comment, they have turned into the crew of the Battlestar Galactica where they like hold up their depleted phaser power cells 
and they're like, this says something about us. Like, ooh, right. and they're all chanting. And right. like, so say we all, right? Yeah. They don't really make a big deal out of it, but it's just like, oh my God, like they've become this totally different thing, like as an organization and as like a, like a culture on the station. Uh, and it's just like, I totally, you totally understand like how they got there, but it's like also totally a tragedy. Uh, and it's just like, uh yeah it's amazing uh so really enjoying the show just kind of like in its own right um i did want to mention an episode that we watched really recently it was the last episode of season five it was called call to arms and uh so this is the episode where like cisco decides to mine the the wormhole um he basically precipitates like a direct confrontation with the dominion which we'd kind of been sort of avoiding up to that point and actually the thing that really struck me about this episode is there's a moment when like finally the last um, kind of like key officers are evacuating Deep Space Nine aboard the Defiant, and Rom comes back into Quarks and he's like, "I'm here to work for you again, but I'm secretly spying for the for the Federation, you know, for Starfleet. Don't tell anybody." And then uh, Rom turns around and who's sitting there but Jake Cisco, and like Cicero, you've commented on this many times. Jake and Ben have a great relationship. Like their father-son relationship is a beautiful thing. It's not like they're estranged. It's not like um, Cisco is absent for the first 30 plus years of Jake's life or anything like that. Um, but, you know, nevertheless, uh, Benjamin Cisco, the commander of the station and father of Jake Cisco, when he hears that his son has been left behind, he barely even has to think about it. He's like, damn it. But Jake is an adult who's capable of making his own decisions. He made it. And I'm a Starfleet officer and I have to do my duty. And I just thought that was a really interesting contrast from some of the things that we've seen our characters grapple with uh, this season on Picard. And it was just so striking after watching like Picard kind of like surrender everything that made Picard Picard a few episodes ago for the sake of like but that's my son. You know what I mean? So we have to like murder this changeling that we trapped. Um, and just to see the contrast of somebody like Cisco, who's the guy who you like, if you compare the two, right, like TNG Picard and like DS nine Cisco, like Picard is the good boy. Like he's the boy scout. You know what I mean? Like he's the one that's more bought into Starfleet and kind of like embodies. Uh, I like, I think that's, pretty clear like cisco has a little more complexity and like roughness to him and kind of a, a less clean relationship uh with starfleet and yet uh yeah they're obviously at different places in their lives when we're comparing like ds9 um to to picard the show not the character um but yeah i just like was was really struck by that contrast so much that i went back and and watched that episode again after uh that episode of ds9 again after the episode of picard we'll talk about tonight um, just to make sure that I had that right. But uh, yeah, so still still really enjoying the show. Still really, really glad that we watched Deep Space Nine. But the direct connections as far as the changelings <laughs> are like, I don't know, we'll talk about it, but I'm like not quite sure how clear they are anymore. You yeah. said you're in season six now? Yeah, right. How far into six are you? Uh, maybe like nine or 10 episodes or something. I, I don't know. I think it was a season, it was Waltz a season six episode? We talked about Waltz last time. Have you seen that yeah. yet? Yes. Uh, I remember that. Which which one was that? I remember that episode title coming up. And Let's I remember go, something happening that we talked about. It's going to caught in a cave. It, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. So I'm curious now that you're this far, this deep into it, like, how do you feel about Dukat right now? 
yeah Ducat continues to be like it, it's mm. like i'm so glad that i heard cicero and chris teasing like what a great villain Ducat was for such a long time just because because knowing that there's always like there's still more around the next corner is awesome like watch it because they really like you you really think he could be this redeemed guy like over and over again and they do that with other characters like consistently right. on the show like quark most obviously and it seems like maybe they're going to do that with odo but like just based on everything you guys have told me i just feel like this sword is like hanging above my head <laughs> and like every passing time that he like every time he develops like a better rapport with like cisco or whatever it feels like the sword is actually like getting raised like higher which means it's only gonna come down harder right (laughs) interesting cool i'm glad you're enjoying it man yeah yeah as as am i and uh really really great analysis there Uh, i really appreciated that um greg you know it's been quite a while since we've last checked in with you yeah Uh, what has the world of trek been like for you I actually took a bit of a break after season two of Picard. I didn't even really watch a lot of Strange New Worlds because I was so burnt out. And I was not even really excited for for, for season three of Picard. It was really just the promos of seeing all of the cast of Next Generation getting together that finally got me. All right, and I guess I'll watch this and, and get on board because I am still in the midst of a rewatch of uh, The Next Generation for the re-engage podcast we're uh in the middle of season four we just finished um night terrors galaxy child but before that was uh uh some really great episodes including the one that introduced cardassians uh and how that was such a has so many repercussions throughout the star trek universe going forward and we actually got to talk to one of the actors time winters who appeared as one of the cardassians um in that episode and it was so amazing hearing him talk about like you think that because of how the importance of that race is and in star trek lore going forward that there was briefings or like you know character sketches or like this is what we're going to do with this no there was nothing he said they got the script and that was it and so in some ways some of the decisions that he made he wasn't playing the main uh cardassian he was playing the uh kind of second in command that O'Brien has to fight with at the bar right. where O'Brien's oh, like, this yeah. is why I hate you is because you made me, you know, yeah. kill a mosquito or whatever that speech is. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and so the decisions that this guy made as an actor and how he was portraying uh, the Cardassians actually has repercussions for how we think about Cardassians going forward as this That's well-rounded, uh, you know, militaristic society, but that some of them are just, you know, kind of curious and engineers and not necessarily bad people through and through. And that's why there was such a, uh, I think a really um, great villain for for both Deep Space Nine and, and subsequent episodes of of Next Generation was because you're kind of like, you know, I don't necessarily hate them like I hate all of uh, the the bad guys in in, in other in other uh, Star Trek kind of antagonists, right? So it was really kind of cool to hear his his take on 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 his interpretation and how that has ripples effects uh, all the way up to well, you know what you were talking about, Ty. It's really it's really kind of cool. Yeah, well, that's that's amazing. Uh, Kyle, um, where has Trek taken you since we last spoke in? <clears throat> well, I've, I've apart from rewatching uh, episode nine of Picard season three for I don't know, did I rewatch it six actual times? I may have. Um, 
and avoiding a bad Voyager novel. I've been driving around a lot. I'm in Detroit, Michigan. I was in Greensboro the last time we talked. <laughs> yes. Um, I have, right before I left the house, I decided to discover and watch all of the special features on the Star Trek The Motion Picture Director's Edition, which is my favorite Trek film and is a superb reimagining of that film. And I've been, I, I tried to watch a piece of it, had to pack, I left. The drive was long. I listened to the score, the remastered score, just as loud as I possibly could in my truck. I'm, I'm sure I scared pa- passengers in nearby cars uh, with V'ger sounds. And um, like, what is this guy doing? He's I love that movie, man. And it's, it's well, the reason I got into this kick was because somebody shared a really, really, really fantastic uh, three plus hour long interview with Mike Matissimo, 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 uh, the principal producer who helped restore this film. He used to work with Robert Wise. And so it was a, a podcast called the Goldsmith Odyssey, and they're they're listening through all of the Goldsmith scores, including all the Star Trek stuff. He's Mr. Star Trek, right? Mm-hmm. And they talked to this guy for three hours about the restoration of the motion picture that came out last year. And I went right to my discs. And I as soon as I get home, I'm just going to rewatch the motion picture because it is the best Star Trek thing. I love it. And that's where I am. And I'm still avoiding a bad Voyager novel, so <laughs> I can't seem to finish it. Well, there you go. It, it, you you know, are it, reading that Voyager novel the way I am watching the original series. Like, if you're watching special features on other movies, you're, you're <laughs> like, guys, it, it's a really bad Voyager novel. Oh, <laughs> that that is, uh, yeah. Actually, I think I think uh, yeah, both Ty and I are, are rewatching the. TOS in the same way that you're reading that Voyager novel. So, it will be, you know, if if someone owes you money, you'll never be broke, right? Uh, and you will always have Trek to, to consume because that Voyager novel will always be there. Um, and, uh, well, as for me, uh, I have not really consumed... I've consumed Trek by consuming this episode of Picard uh, throughout the week, and that was... It was a choice. Um, it was a choice that I made, uh, knowing full well that I'd be uh, hosting this particular episode. So I wanted to be well versed in in this episode, and uh, I don't regret what I had to do. For you. <laughs> you can live with it. Yes. Um, but uh, I guess without further ado. <clears throat> Let's move on to our discussion about Episode 9 of Star Trek Picard, Season 3, Vox. Well, uh, as always, our episode description is brought to you by the fine editors over at Wikipedia who do a great job of summarizing each and every episode, but the editorializations are made by the one and only Chris Clow and myself. Uh, So let's start with the plot. 
Troy realizes Jack is connected to the Borg, the source of all of the voices he hears. Jack takes off to deal with them, resulting in his capture by the Borg Queen. Okay, guys. <laughs> it's the Borg again. Yeah. Uh, hints have been laid down early in the season about the real collective still being out. We lost your... Uh... Sister, you, your audio has oh. stopped. Oh, my audio oh, stopped a, a long time ago. Uh, yeah. So uh, what what <laughs> what do we feel about the resurgence of the collective as the primary threat? It sucks. Uh, well, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Greg, Greg, why don't we start with you? <laughs> I can't believe they did it again is, yeah. is basically what this comes down to where it's threefold, right? Where again, the Borg are the big bad again, which seems like they just did this in season two. And uh, that is bad on its own. I'll get to that as we discuss it more. But the fact that also Picard has done this the the third time and I'm a, a, you know, fool me once shame on. (laughs) I got fooled three times. (laughs) now so i guess it's everyone's fault uh including the borgs uh as well as uh uh you know vox whatever this guy's name is now um it just seems like they built up all these great threads we we had really great uh you know introductions of these old characters coming back and they were satisfying and felt really earned and and the relationships that were growing as these these characters are you know older people seemed like a really wonderful uh and then it just becomes every the entire federation is at risk because of one thing that may or may not make any sense scientifically to oh, anyone. No, uh, no scientific it, sense, sir. It doesn't make any sense. It they're all they're organic computer machines that have code <laughs> that are organic. I don't know. It, it, it's as a general thing. I just think the Borg were overused even before they did Picard season two, and now it's just really. Uh, feels like hammering uh, into nothingness. Right. Well, well said. I think, um, Kyle. I, I will send it to you. You have been, um, matter of fact, you have said that uh, you're on board with with what is going on. You've had you you've discussed much faith in Terry Metalis and the team, and and that you you said that uh, famously that it didn't really matter how they landed the ship you were on the ride and you were going to enjoy the ride no matter where it landed. Do you still feel that way? And how did the Borg, how does the Borg as the big bad land for you? Um, so like my fifth grade English teacher used to remind me, Kyle, you were wrong. So <laughs> <laughs> I, I, uh, and, and I will say, up front, I am disappointed. It's the Borg, right? Again, I don't care. It's like the, the like the Daleks of the Star Trek universe at this point. Um, I think that the explanation they offered in Star Trek rules and canon makes sense, but it was happened too fast. I think like if you wanted it to be this, you didn't have to hide it, right? The Pare thing, for my point for myself, like made much more sense and was much more interesting. Right. The Borg showing up again is not interesting. 
and I, I, you know, I get what they're doing. It's the Borg. It's their most famous villain. We have to put him in their most in their final outing. No, no, you don't. Um, <laughs> no, you don't. But like, I feel like if they really wanted to do it this way, if they wanted these guys to be the villain, they could have telegraphed it a little harder a couple episodes prior. And this particular episode should be two episodes. Like everything they they info dumped at us happened so quickly. And what's funny about me having this opinion is that like I still trust Metallus. Obviously, this was their end game, and I still there's still some deliciousness going on in parts of this episode that make it so worthwhile to watch. So, like, I, on the whole, I'm just like these guys again. Eh. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ty, um, we've we've had conversations. Um, we have we have we have uh, discussed many things. Um, but the majority of the things that we've discussed over the last seven days have been this episode. <laughs> um, I know your feelings. Can you? Can you? Uh, are you? Are you? At you want me to let to the people know? Yeah. Are you? Are you at liberty to provide your feelings about uh, this particular episode or the fact that the Borg turn out to be the big bad? Sure. So first, I don't want to gloss over the fact that like we had this whole thing <clears throat> where William Riker was like, hey, you kind of like use your empathic abilities, <clears throat> excuse me, in like a sort of invasive way, like, you know, related to, to me grieving over the death of our son and stuff like that. And they kind of like had this moment. Right. And then like five minutes later, Deanna is like, hey, Jack, go through the door. And Jack's like, I don't think I can do that. And she's like, OK, peace. I'm going through the door. <laughs> and <laughs> And then she's like, oh, my God. And he's like, what did you see when you looked through the door in my mind that I didn't say you could go through? And she's like, I can't tell you. I have to run and go tell your parents that you're a Borg and there's (laughs) protocols we need to follow. Like, I get it. Like, there are indeed protocols you need to follow. But I just feel like that needs to be said that that was like. That was kind of bonkers. Okay, he did Um, say yes, though, right? Doesn't Jack Crusher say yes? Oh, did he? He does. He does, he does say consent. yes. He does so say he yes. He did give her permission to go through the door. Go through, go through the door. After, she said, after, I, right, she was she already said, in his head. She, yeah, she okay. said. Well, I, she I, said I, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She did say, "Hey, I'm going to go through that door um, if you don't want to go through the door." And he was like, "All right, fine. Go ahead, go through the door." Yeah. And then she was like, "Oh, I can't tell you what was through that." Door. Now that part was I've definitely gotta, messed up. I've got to go and tell your folks. But not you, grown man. Well, it wasn't an enthusiastic and unequivocal yes. Uh, <laughs> right, right, right. Anyway, yeah. uh, yeah. sorry, I don't want to get chastised again for taking us right. down the wrong, the wrong road here. <laughs> but so my issue with it being the Borg, like I don't really care that it's the Borg, right? But the thing is, if you like, if you would have discovered, like to Kyle's point, if you would have spent the first third of the season discovering what was going on, and then the second third of the season working together as a family not only your literal family with jack crusher but like your your metaphorical family with the old enterprise crew and then the final third of the season like really just bringing everything to a head probably in a more like picard focused way like i just think that all would have been fine but it's like you you built me up for like eight episodes that it was going to be this big mind blow. I, like I was joking with you guys that they had to go through the red door and they had to wind up on halo or something like that that just like something that completely rocked my world and it was like the most benign like villain that they've thrown into every video game 
like the it's the thing that like they use to commercially advertise star trek to people who aren't trekkies because it seems like this big like monolithic villain you know what i mean and i'm not saying there's anything wrong with the borg but like like you guys say to trot them out like this in this repetitive way and it's this thing you've been building up to like it's totally gonna blow my like i've honestly still like is is the thing that they thought was gonna blow my mind the fact that earth is being threatened with assimilation which obviously that's that's a real danger right guys like it could could be that they're gonna assimilate the whole population of Earth, or is the thing that was supposed to blow my mind that the locutus saga actually didn't end when we thought it did and he was actually passing this thing down or or it was the thing that blew my mind that it actually wasn't changelings like i don't even get what the like thing that kind of knocked me off my seat was even supposed to be really yeah and i'm still confused about their relationship with like is this a this is just a bork plot and the changelings were hired guns or yeah just using their their lust for revenge as as a way to motivate them to to kind of like complete the agenda of the borg queen i guess like let me interject for a second because i i think (laughs) the problem with this reveal is the format that they've chosen and like the, the serialized storytelling doesn't have to have blockbusters every episode. It doesn't have to have a plot twist. And like the guys making Star Trek kind of have that built in. And like because mm-hmm. of this franchise, the minute you, if you're going to have a Borg villain, you can't even begin the word with the B before Trekkies are like, oh yeah, Borg. I know this one. I know those guys. I know exactly. I know their shoe size. So they, they feel like they have to hide it to the last possible moment. But you don't have to do that, man. You could just tell a story. We could have known it was the Borg from episode one, I think. If that's what they wanted to do, like the paw race switcheroo is like, you you yeah. just didn't feel good. And if we had known that earlier on, we like would have had room to breathe. And like, not every single minute of every episode would have had to be like this edge of your seat ride, right? Like we could have really had time to like kind of explore those like slower moments that a lot of us have talked about missing with Trek and like delving into these characters in situations other than like utter crisis with consoles exploding around them and stuff. And that's all fine. But like every episode for 10 episodes straight being like nonstop edge of your seat with a cliffhanger. It just doesn't, yeah, it doesn't quite land for me. And my main major problem, which was the true of last season as well, that the Borg are terrifying because they are a collective as soon as you have it be one character, mm-hmm. like the war yes. queen, they're not terrifying anymore. They're just yes. the same as any other race. And I, and even his uh, Jack's line here is like, Oh, I, I thought it, I was all thinking we should be communing and talk to each other, but that was just cybernetic authoritarianism or something like that. And I'm like, that's not even what the Borg are. Like they're not authoritarianism. Yeah. Like that's dictatorship. That's, that's Cardassians. That's all the other stuff like that. There's other ra- uh, uh, races a part of the Star Trek universe that you can use mm-hmm. to tell that story. You're not yeah. even using the Borg for what makes them so interesting and terrifying in at the end of season three of, of, of TNG. Yep. It's just a bad guy at this point. And that just bums yeah, me out. Mustache twirling. I've never liked the Borg queen. I've always no. thought that was a misstep from, from first you, contact. You, I was like, man, this sucks. I, I, yeah. I don't, they're not terrifying anymore. When you meet them for the first time in Q who like, that was legitimately interesting and scary. And the minute we saw the Borg Queen, that's when they, they got watered down. And this is a very watered down, you know, they're, they're going to beat this threat. I don't know, I guess. Yeah. Or, they, or maybe not. Maybe they have the balls to just cut it and say, well, everyone died. Well, that's that Amanda is. Amanda Peel's going to come back and help. Right. Everyone that is. Go ahead, that sister. Is lay thing. it on them. Lay on your theory. That is, 
the thing that that uh that Ty and I have been discussing, right? Is is that right? Like we've got literally one episode of this series left, and they have introduced the Borg and this existential threat going into the final episode, right? How is there any drama unless they have the huevos to say, <laughs> all right, canon stops here, right? Like the, 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 the final episode is called The Final Generation. So you're saying right. this is of Earthlings. This right. is this is what happens to the Federation. So that Discovery, 900 years from now, they're rebuilding things. Right. Right. Yes. Sure. Oh. Right. Right. Like this is this is it. They're not only rebuilding they don't have things; the balls they're rebuilding humanity. Right. I, of course, they don't have the balls to do that unless they do. Right. And they have to hand wavy. Right. See you because, in theaters in four years for the AI generated right, movie where we right, assimilate the earth. Right. Right. Like the if you if you're not willing to drop your thing on the table right here, right now, doing that, doing that. What is the point? There yeah. is literally no drama. There is 50 minutes left of these characters. Well, it's we Paramount know Plus. This. It could be as long as they want it to be. Right, it right. Like that's true. Episode, that, that's true. That's true. That's true. I don't true. think so, but. Right, right. That'd be cool. But, but, like, we know this is it. Yeah. So, so you know, the happy ending's got to come. It's got to come. Unless it doesn't. But it's going to come. Right. So because of all of those things, my analysis of this is I'm disappointed. I'm disappointed. I'm not mad. Right. I'm your dad now. I'm not mad. I'm disappointed. I'm disappointed in in the choices that you've made. I'm disappointed in the fact that we have spent nine weeks having great discourse with lots of different discussions about different possibilities of what where we are right now could have possibly been we discussed the par wraiths we discussed um change you know like changeling factions we discussed uh bev beverly crusher being a changeling and that and that uh jack is a par wraith and not you know, uh, Picard's son actually like there were so many things that we talked about that that led us down all sorts of roads. We were almost completely convinced that the only way that you could fully enjoy this season of Picard was to be Ty, right? And having watched DS9 and Picard at the same time to to ingest. The mm. fact that we've got a a finale of sorts, not only for the TNG crew, but for the Voyager crew and for DS9, for all of those, all of the 24th century television shows, this was what the Picard finale was going to be. Only for all of that to, to go away in one fell swoop to be the anti-data of of Picard, right? So we had three seasons of Picard where data was the the constant outside of you knew you were coming for Jean-Luc Picard. You knew you were getting Picard. 
But what you didn't realize was that you were getting Brent Spiner along with 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 Patrick Stewart and John Luke Picard every single season. And in every single season, what you also didn't realize that you were going to get with John Luke Picard was heavy, heavy Borg plot lines, right? With a throughput throughout all seasons where, you know, you get all of these different nostalgia hits, but the Borg was going to be the main enemy. And it looked like after season two, that Terry Metalis realized that, you know what, maybe I need to buck that trend and I'll introduce the changelings and, and present everyone with the scope of a villain that actually is probably more terrifying than the Borg because you let down your guard potentially with them. And they're just as, uh, malevolent as the Borg are, you know, uh, resolute. And, and they threw that all away. They, they threw, threw that all I away. Mean, it's like, right. It, it's, it is worth saying that oh, we got a lot of good stuff. Up we did. We, we did. We did. But, you know, and, and, and I, I'm, 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 doing my best to not take away from that. Right. But, but we do need to talk about where they're deciding to take us. And that is away from all of that good stuff that we, that we did get. Right. Because this thing that we, that we're doing, and it's not only just the thing, as Ty said, it's not only just the thing that we're doing, it's when we're doing it, we've got one episode left. Just on and, that time. And, right. And we're supposed to believe that Starfleet's Starfleet's well-being and 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 very life is hanging in the balance with one episode left. Do you guys remember how Game of Thrones had like six episodes where it was nice, slow, mm-hmm. slow boil, actual delicious right. drama? Right. And then they they clicked it up to four times regular speed for season right. seven. Right. We're in the season seven Game of Thrones of Picard season three. Like we've yes. had some slow, slow enough. Right. And then all of a sudden someone's hitting the floor to right. the, the pedal of the floor, you know. Right. And that's been the criticism that I've had of, of, of Discovery. Of, right. Of season one and two of Picard right. where it just right. felt like they needed ten more episodes. Right. Like, and I think we deserve it. Like, I think how great would it have been if we actually, I mean, we got a lot of Worf early on. So you get a little bit of his uh, thing, but I don't really know anything about Beverly Crusher. I don't really know anything about Jordy and his relationship with his daughters. It's, it's right. all very, and, and the data, like I, w- I wish we had spent more time with each one of these characters and had a episode that was centric of Picard's relationship with them and how it's changed in 20 years. Yep. Right. That's what we Absolutely. deserve from this episode. And I thought they were doing it with this season because they started it off with Worf. And I was like, okay, I see where they're going to go. And then you're right. This breakneck pace just comes up and it's like, we've got to get to this and we've got to get yeah. to this part of this ship. And if we're in this part of the ship, what are we going to do? And you're like, that's, I don't care about any of that plot at all. Like yeah. zero, like give me the character shit that we I, were told yeah. by all of the posters of everybody in their costumes. Like give us that. Yeah, I, I could have. When the Borg, when they showed the Borg 
cube right at the beginning. I could have sworn I heard a spore drive spool up, and I was like, oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> All I heard was, there is no Dana, only right, four. Only two. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. That's great. I wish they'd had a chance to watch Prodigy before writing the season, because if you want to talk about revealing a threat to us as viewers, revealing a threat to the cast of characters, watching that cast of characters try to work together, try to make sacrifices to combat that threat and watch that threat, you know, kind of march through those barriers toward a, a pretty, uh, you know, something that is genuinely scary, right? Like, I'm not scared that Earth is going to be assimilated. I'm I just say it's about time. Not right, right. <laughs> but, but one welcome robot overlords. Man, right. Prodigy introduces a threat that is like chilling, you know. And I don't want to say too much more about it in case people haven't watched Prodigy, because I really think at this point, like if you if you are like have not watched Prodigy and you're feeling disappointed by where you're at with this season of Picard, uh, I've good. got I've got a great show for you. Project's good. They balance the news story stuff and the nostalgia stuff and the using the universe effectively stuff because it's like a backdoor Voyager sequel in a way, but like they Absolutely. Don't, they're not hammering it over your head, you know. And and we've had a pretty good balance uh, so far. Like it's been a little bit rushed in places like Row. I, I, right. I still feel like that was mismanaged. And right. if that was the show's only misstep, it was fine. But they, it, this has been a lot more balanced than a typical Discovery season until this point. Yeah. Now, now yeah. Prodigy yeah. is standing up as the clear, like, best Trek. Yeah, I, we still got good Star Trek out of this season. I'm not going to lie. But right, yeah. yes. Yeah. Prodigy, I, 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 I don't, I don't some disagree. some good stuff in I, this episode. Yeah, yeah but to yeah, Tanya's yeah. credit, Prodigy is delicious. Right, right. Well, in fact, I, 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 would, I would say that um, the best Star Trek on TV, right, on Paramount Plus right now, uh, that is new Star Trek is the Star Trek that's not being promoted. It is Prodigy. It is Strange New Worlds. It is Lower Decks. Right. It is the the shows that weren't on the marquee, but but or or weren't the you know the top of the marquee. They were they were the they were the also rants. They were the undercards and and uh, um, you know obviously Strange New Worlds performance. Um, allowed it to be at the top of the marquee and it probably it probably will be the the show um that is star trek going you know going forward um but but it it bore out of the other stuff that that we had been watching so um yeah prodigy is brilliant uh the way that they handled uh the existential threat um was incredible uh ty is is absolutely correct when it when, when it comes to that um, and we have gotten good trek out of this season. Um, unfortunately, it seems like that ended, um, or 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 at least unmasked. Right? Like there again, there are still very very good parts of this episode, and we'll get to them. And let's start doing that right now. Um, as the Titan races to the Starfleet anniversary celebrations above Earth, Data, Geordi, and Beverly finally discover why the rogue changeling stole Picard's corpse. They were working with the Borg. The changelings copied Picard's Borg-altered DNA and tricked the transporters into implanting the alterations in all users, effective in those, in, in those whose uh, uh, parietal lobes are still developing until age 25 in humans. 
Is there an indictment on the youth in this story, or is that just a secondary effect of the way the technology is designed to work? Kyle, what what do you think? I, when I as soon as I saw it, I was like, "Is this a Gen Z slam?" You know, and I was like, <laughs> "Are we throwing that a whole generation under the bus?" And then, like, you know, the the weakness was that all the ships were networked together, so Gen Z is going to attack you through your internet networked computer. Oh, no, I didn't hear that. <laughs> this is a boomer like nightmare. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, then you get um, Troy's line of like, oh, I, I, I've never been so happy to see so many wrinkles. Yeah, right. Yeah, there you go, Greg. So, yeah, what did, what did you think? Do you think that this was was a, a blatant attack on, on, on the youth to stay off our lawn or, or what? I didn't think about that interpretation until just now, but I'm wondering if that is part of the intent here that you know this is greatest generation stuff this is like uh you know oh we did it uh how dare these newfangled kids come along and, and try to yeah i don't know it's it's i think the old age thing is just part of the joke of this show to a certain extent so i just chalked it up as that that they were just trying to be like Hey, we're older now. Isn't that funny? Ha ha ha. Right. Um, I didn't, and that, and that's part of the problem is that there is no theme in this yeah. show. That's yeah. going back to why I think the Borg were a poor choice to really get because they're I, other, all other than, Oh, this is a found family, but there are better and, you know, honestly, uh, more skilled ways to talk about that in other shows. Uh, but that seems to be the one theme that they're hammering home here is that, no, oh, this, we're all your family, Jean-Luc Picard, even though we haven't hung out in 20 years, but that, sh- that time that we had on the enterprise together was really great. Wasn't it? Yeah. Right. Remember that time? Yeah. So uh, I, I don't know if it's really an indictment of the youth, but I, I think because we don't have a real clear theme here, it maybe, I don't know. <laughs> Ty, Ty, you tell them to stay off your lawn. Yeah, I totally like. I think Greg's answer seems like I totally interpret it as a slam against. Yeah, I, I totally interpret it as like, oh, if those kids wouldn't spend so much time on space TikTok, then this never, <laughs> this never would have happened. But Greg's interpretation is probably a little more realistic. Uh, I did think it was funny that Troy made that comment about the wrinkles when, like, the first person through the door was seven, like Jerry Ryan, and it's like <laughs> kind of like. No wrinkles. Yeah, I, don't know, I don't know what you're talking about. But yeah, I do think like, again, just there's this, like, it just feels like there's this missed opportunity, like everything, uh, even Picard, like trying to eat his like pod or whatever it was and being like kind of, you know, uh, interrogated by all those cadets could have fed into this larger theme of like, kind of like, yeah, youthful enthusiasm and, and technical skill are great, right? But like wisdom and experience also count for something. Um, and they could have made room to tell a story like that, but instead they made room for eight episodes of like misdirection and running around and like, let's get out of this placenta nebula. You know what I mean? Um, and I don't think there's anything wrong with like a cool nebula that turns out to be a placenta in, in like a Star Trek kind of way. But like, again, it's just like, not everything had to be an edge of your seat cliffhanger moment, right? Like there, there were themes here that could have been given room to emerge but they had to kind of be squeezed out by the need for just like constant edge of your seat adrenaline ringing you know like white knuckle thrill ride so yeah yeah i um i i also feel like greg i i i felt like there was a lot especially in this episode i felt like there was a lot of uh narrative choices that were made by plot 
right? Like they, this was, you know, the plot needs you to do certain things. And I think, you know, part of this, part of the reason that it, it was described the way that it was described was because all the old people were the people that we cared about and we needed a reason for them not to be assimilated. Um, and so, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Here's, here's the scientific thing that I read on, you know, while I was sitting on the toilet before I got to the writer's room and all right, let's, let's use that. And that'll be the reason. And that'll give us a reason to figure out how we can, and we, you know, and they like, they reverse engineered the the plot of this particular season um, from this this one idea, right? Like, oh, the the uh, the Borg have you know they've planted this Trojan horse in in the transporters through the code via Locutus and his and his robotic sperm, and you know, and we're and we're gonna do you know. Ah, uh, whatever. Um, That's a better title. Locutus and his robotic sperm. I did write erobotic syndrome equals Borg sperm on my notepad while I was okay, watching well, this episode. Right. Well, that might be a bingo for me, man. Oh, wait, <laughs> wait, can I can I just uh, cover myself here and say since we are on a all all male panel here, uh, I just need to like I I just want to say I know a placenta is not the same thing as a womb, which is what I think that nebula actually was. <laughs> a little unclear on what's going on, but I just just realized. Terminology oh, may not have been. This is the first uh, time hearing it. I thought they were both totally the same thing. I'm. There you go. Look at that. Alert. <laughs> Which one of those uh, Rachel, the scientist, is going to listen and be like, what idiot? She shake. Listen. She's she shaking her head. Right right right. <laughs> She's like, space placentas, really? This is. We leave you guys alone for one week. <laughs> one week. Right? <laughs> um. So yeah, so tech technology is generally a, a pack a practice and contrivance. Um, but how does this contrivance compare to previous in- instances of Trek technology uh, technological tomfoolery? Uh, Ty, I'll start with you, dude. So you're telling me you can just tell the transporters like this is this is what people are supposed to be like, and the transporter is like. Oh, okay. Their like their brain doesn't have that. I'm just gonna add it in, right? Like, how far can you extend? Like, it's just totally like I would have preferred something completely made up to taking this technology that's been around in Trek for a really long time and has kind of been like explained and experimented with, and like everybody brings up. To, you can't talk about Star Trek for you know 20 seconds without Tuvix coming up. Um, yeah, so it, it was just kind of like. It, it was like, oh, it's part of the system architecture, and I was like, please, just stop explaining this. Uh. I love how Jordy was like, he didn't know what that was. I'm like, you're Jordy LaForge. You know exactly what that is. The right. collectiveness yeah. of who knows what at what times is yes. like, right? Like Jordy came to like bail Sydney out of fixing something, and then and then he like got confused, and then she helped him. And I was like, what's yeah. happening here? Like, so. <laughs> like check off in Star Trek Six, not knowing that if you fired a phaser on a starship, he's like a commander. It's like it'll set the alarm off. Like, how long have you worked on this office, sir? Right, <laughs> <laughs> Kyle. What uh, what are your feelings on uh, All right. the technology uh, tomfoolery? Here's the truth of the matter. Okay, <clears throat> way back, way back in the beautiful, turbulent 1960s, in the year of 1966, 
when the USS Enterprise left space dock, what they left behind was the the science book, the laws of physics. It has been MIA since. (laughs) And when it comes to these kinds of convoluted explanations, you know, it, it doesn't matter. Like, it's all crazy, nonsensical stuff. The logic of it made sense as they're explaining it. It just, I think it was too fast. Like, this is something you want to discover over four or five episodes even. Like, they should find his DNA in the transporter, like, in episode three, and be like, what in the hell is this? And then, like, we get to live with those kind of mysteries instead of, like, in addition to the changeling stuff. I think that would have been a much stronger way to connect all the pieces. But, like, we were getting pieces, multiple pieces and multiple connections within, like, four or five minutes in this episode. And I think that was the problem is how long they took to give us those pieces. They, there's nothing scientific about this show. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> I, and I, it hurts me to say that I'm a science kid at heart, but we've we've left that ship sailed quite a while back. You know, when we saw Abraham Lincoln in space, you knew <laughs> what kind of franchise we were going to be. <laughs> I'll agree with that, Greg. Greg yeah, the, were you? Is this a science fiction show or is it a fiction sh- science show? It's definitely a fantasy show that has the trappings of science fiction. Um, and I think the where, because I'm, you know, a lot of the older episodes of Next Generation just throw out words that we don't even know. And right. that is enough for me to think that it's plausible. And I think the problem with this explanation is they try too hard to use things that we actually know about, like DNA and, and the passing on of genes and things like that. And so it actually makes it less plausible because they use real world science too much. It would have been better if it just was, oh, they implanted this thing in you and somehow you pass that on. We don't even know why or how. We just know that you somehow have this. So the thing that gets me is like, okay, so Picard presumably had sex with Beverly Crusher at some point. Right. That seems to be, we never saw that. So I don't know if even that happened. Um, but, and then he, his genes are in, Jack, well, when you put it that way, <laughs> somehow allow him to communicate with the Borg collective. Yeah, like a, without like a any help. cybernetic implants or anything that we know of as being human DNA being able to replicate into someone else to allow them to, you know, make subspace signals happen. So there's no actual explanation. It just seems to be like, well, DNA. And well, and I don't know if you remember this, but Picard got assimilated. He was a Borg. Uh, no way! Oh, so that's how it was. Back. I I've forgotten a couple times, but they did. They did say Locutus was the speaker, but Jack is the voice it's itself. The voice. Yeah, right. that's a discovery. So that answers right. all your questions, I think, yeah. right there. Beverly, Beverly did have the line about flocks of birds and stuff like that. And there are in in the actual biology that happens on this planet, you do get stuff like that. But if you want to talk about that, you need to back up and talk about it at length. To, you have to educate your audience on this because, like, we weren't primed. That was one line. We weren't primed right. to understand any of that. We went by so quickly that that there just wasn't enough real estate of explanation. Agreed. We, of course, we're getting techno babbled to death here. The show <laughs> is back to its roots, you know. Yeah, but for me, it makes much more sense when it's tachyon beams, or mm-hmm. you know, totally dilithium agree. crystals, things that don't really exist. But yeah. the sounds pseudosciency, and that makes much more sense to me. The fact that she tried to compare it to birds, I was like, nah, I don't know. That how does that work? Yeah, give me a good that... gravimetric distortion any day. 
Yeah. <laughs> and uh, then the, also the weirdness of the, like Picard's actually a synthetic body. How is that? Okay. And that he's just like he was before uh, you mentioned transporters and all that stuff. Like there's actually an episode in, I think season one where they use a copy of Picard's data that's locked in the transporter. So the Picard that we know of today isn't even the real Picard. He's a copy from data that was locked in the transporter from, from long ago. So there's all these weird things that like him and Ensign Kim, it doesn't add up. And and because it's all this breakneck pace, yeah. that's where it all falls apart. If we, if we, uh, to what you've been saying, if this was eked out slowly or, if it was just completely a an extravagance that was made up by the writers, I'd be much willing to go along with it, but it's didn't feel earned. I ended last week's episode of, of discovery debrief um, by saying that I loved the episode that we were in, but I was worried. I still had that knot in my stomach because there were still lots with two episodes left. There were lots of questions that needed to be answered, and I was worried that they would not give themselves the time to answer those questions. And unfortunately, I feel like I was proven right Mm -hmm. because they only presented themselves with more questions that needed answering. Um, One of those questions in my head is what was, since we know that the big bad, that the shapeless, formless face that Vatic was talking to was not uh, Par Wraith Goldacott, but presumably the the Borg Queen. What was the symbolism in her cutting, having to cut off her hand in order to communicate with said Borg Queen? Why did that have to happen? Why didn't we get an explanation as to why that was a thing? Um, like it just felt felt seemed like and and seemingly was completely unnecessary. Kyle, I, I agree. Uh, in hindsight, we didn't know who it was. It was it was something we could hold on to. But here is a space where, from day one, we should have known that was the Borg, because then the question would have been like, why are these two? groups working together and we would have held that for episodes and that would have been enough to keep us engaged like we would have been theorizing about that 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 it was convoluted yeah unless there's something else coming in this finale that we actually get to know who that being is well well let's let's hope let's hope that there is but again Considering that it's there's only one episode left and, and we have no reason to believe that they're going to, even though they have the ability to do so since it's on a streaming service, we have no reason to believe that they are going to turn this into an extended extended episode, a feature length episode, or or even longer. Which would be cool. Um, right. Would would be cool. Um we have no reason to think that they will, therefore Greg, your idea, as great as it is, just can't have it. It does not have the space. <laughs> if it's not the queen, to... it's going to be another Soong played by Brett Spiner. <laughs> no. Right? right oh, exactly. no, no. It's going to be Peanut Hamper. And it's right, going to be a musical right. crossover. <laughs> right? Oh, right? No. Like, w- this, is, this is it. We've got to, like, w- whatever it is that John Luke Picard is going to ride off into, we've got to see that will happen 
the next time we will be talking about that the next time we sit down and talk with each other. But all of these other things also have to happen in that time frame, which is which is inconceivable to me. Um, yeah, I don't think that because even though it is a streaming service, they still use right. the seven yeah. minute act right breaks. right so right, like they're exactly. I, they're not gonna go off of that they're not gonna go over. i think it's still broadcasting in canada or something like that yeah 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 yeah, yeah. i mean well they, i mean they definitely build it for commercials so uh it, it is incredible how much stuff is still on the on the table and still in play uh for one episode left um, but let's move on with this particular episode uh picard informs fellow admiral shelby other developments, but it is it's too late. Uh as the Borg trigger the entire fleet's assimilation, including Geordi's daughters, and kill Shelby, seemingly. Seven remains immune to the assimilation signal. Uh Shaw sacrifices himself to defend the Titan from the Borg and hands over command to Seven, who remains behind with Rafi. This show is very bloodthirsty when it comes to showing us TNG characters who haven't appeared in more than 30 years before just killing them. What do you guys make of this trend that is that has uh, well established itself by now in this season? Uh, Greg, let's start with you. Can they? I, I really want them to kill off uh, Wesley Crusher now. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Complete the circle. Uh, right. The I, sons of Crusher. I actually, I might disagree with something that you said, uh, Kyle, I think about Ensign Rowe. I actually really liked the Ensign Rowe sacrifice. I thought that was a really interesting way to show uh, the beef. And that it was the beef that let that let her know that he that he was not one of the changelings. Like, I, I thought that was actually a really well-placed yeah, that, way to do it. I think they could have had more good. lead up to that. So it was like, you exactly. Ensign Rowe yeah. and then she was there. Um, I keep saying Ensign, even though she's not an Ensign anymore. But right. uh, I think that they should just kill off uh, all the characters at this point. I actually suspect yeah, yeah. they might. I suspect they might. Yeah. Very conclusively, this is the end. This is the end. This is the, la- the last generation. That's what it's called, right? That's what the uh, the, the tagline is. The final generation. Last, yeah. It's going to be a, uh, a bloodbath. Or is it, is it the last generation? Um, I, I don't mind deaths, honestly. Like, I think they actually are an interesting way to keep it moving forward. I, I, it is too bad that we just got Shelby being like, pew, pew. And then she's like, yeah. <laughs> she got even less time than Roe did. She yeah. did. Oh, no, and then all we got is a few snarky remarks from Riker to even. It took me a while to be like, wait, how do I know Shelby? Wait, oh, oh yeah, right, right. Yeah, she was in right. the Lakeith She was episodes. a good character. Yeah, she was yeah. great. I mean, and I think that's a really, honestly, a really good contrast to this is because she was a guest character, right? We really only saw her for that the two-parter. And she had such a great impact on how the crew uh, worked with each other, especially Riker. And it, it was really a Riker episode, uh, not even about Picard and his his journey as Locutus. We really don't remember that, but it is a Riker-centric episode because of Shelby. And we're not getting any of that in this episode. Like, we don't really see any growth from any of these characters by the introduction of um a new dynamic into the 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 cast of seven here and so i really uh i didn't i i don't, I don't care for it but i do like that shaw gets his moment right i do like that right. we, we we see that i think that was right. really well earned 
um, and was the real emotional hook for me by the end of this episode where that's something that they haven't hitting the last few episodes is him calling uh seven Hansen and then having that called back right. ship is yours seven of nine that really did hit me emotionally very well despite all of my problems with this episode I still even upon rewatch I was like oh I like you Sean right right well you, you know what and actually uh I will uh, let's let's add that to uh to the menagerie as as it were uh so pour one out for Liam Shaw um, how do we all feel about the captain's last hurrah as he handed the reins to Titan um, of the Titan to seven and, and by calling her by her chosen name. Um, so, so Kyle, w- when I go to you, I will talk to you about uh, and ask you about both questions, right? Uh, the, the bloodthirsty nature of, of this particular season and how that sat with you. And, uh, and also, um, you know, speaking of bloodthirsty, the the death of of Captain Shaw and how that sat with you and how his his uh, retribution or his uh, his his uh, reconciliation with Seven sat with you. It, this has been a rather bloodthirsty episode, or not episode, but season. Uh, the changeling stalking incense through the corridor of Titan is some dark stuff for Trek, you know, that that's surprising. Uh, and Elizabeth Shelby, we should have just cut the screen and let her live out whatever final moment she was going to have. I don't think we need to get it. I mean, she just wasn't, what was the point of that? You know, what was the point of that? It was violence for the sake of violence, fan service for the sake of fan service. Shaw, whom I, I deeply, I lust after, uh, just like you, Cicero, I think he's a delicious character. I loved him from the moment I saw him because he makes you dislike him. That's good damn acting. Mm-hmm. And this performer has been killing I think they've put him on the back burner for several, several episodes. He's the captain of the ship, but yet uh, everybody from floor eight you know, in the retirement home is basically running the ship and he doesn't have much say. He's not in on the discussions and stuff like that. And I feel like that's a disservice to the character. Maybe there's too many people on screen. But despite all that, I have mixed feelings about his death. A, I didn't want to see him go. B, I didn't think there was a reason to see him go like that. Um, I, and, and C, I, I did like and looked forward to that reconciliation between him and Seven. I feel like we should have had that without shooting him in the chest. Like, or maybe not in this moment, maybe, maybe because the whole episode felt so rushed that this moment also felt rushed. But I, the moment you saw him mistreat seven and dead name her, like I've been wanting them to come together and I was looking forward to that and it still was satisfying and the actor still delivered. I just, I don't think it was necessary to kill him exactly like this feels, feels like, well, we only have. 45 more pages. We don't have any more space for dialogue from Shaw. <laughs> Shoot him. <Right>. No. <laughs> Got him in the hallway. He's fine. We're moving on. We got a, we got a whole bridge set to build. Anyway, mixed feelings. I love Shaw. Yeah. yeah. I love him. Ty, how do you feel about all of this stuff? 
you know, whatever. I didn't like Shaw as much as you guys all did. Uh, and when he actually told Seven that she, the Titan, was hers, I thought it was like, uh, I thought it was supposed to be funny, like he was like delusional <laughs> or something. Because I was like, yo, you're in like the maintenance corridor of a ship full of Borg, and they know where you are because you announced it over the radio. Like they're, <laughs> what do you mean she's in command of the ship? Like what are you talking about? <laughs> Um, so like, and I'm still like deeply concerned about her welfare, like at the, at present, you know what I mean? Like we'll get to the enterprise D in in a minute, but I was kind of like, guys, like shut up, turn the engines on and go get seven. You <laughs> left her there. Like she's going to die. Um, so unless I missed something, I thought that was odd. And I also just like, I felt like this was a lesson that Shaw already learned once and then he got mad and unlearned it. And so it was just sort of like. I've watched a lot of Trek lately and the thing of like, oh, this person is a jerk. Oh, wait, this person maybe has learned something and and maybe can really contribute something vital to our crew. Oh, no, now this person's dead because they made like a, you know, a really selfless sacrifice and totally changed my opinion of them. It's something I have seen play out uh, in nice 35 minute packages over and over and over again. Star Trek is really, really good at it. And I didn't see like like everything else that we've talked about this season. I did not think that that uh, type of story arc benefited from being stretched out over six episodes. I, I would have loved for them to figure out this Borg stuff in episode three and have one nice episode that's about Captain Shaw where this arc plays out and just like stop having him just kind of like pop up and like, oh, is he a jerk this time or is he in like learning mode this time? Like, I don't know, which is it going to be? So it's just like, I don't, you know, the bloodthirstiness, it doesn't bother me. You know what I mean? Like violence for the sake of violence and fan service for the sake of fan service. Like, yo, it's season three of Picard. Like both of those things sound okay to me. Like you can kill off whoever you need to kill off, but like, uh, yeah, it's just sort of like the the stakes that they are trying to attach to these things don't feel like the stakes that I am experiencing as a viewer. Mm. Yeah, I I um obviously I have a great affection for for Captain Liam Shaw. I've I've discussed that uh, at length on the on these airwaves, um, and. So, I mean, I, I think it would come as no surprise that I think that uh, this death didn't feel earned, uh, killed by some, you know, two pip wearing uh, drone, <laughs> right? Um, in a maintenance hallway in the Titan did not seem like uh, that was the thing that, that should have happened to him. Um, in addition, right, the, the one thing that I want to say is is that I am grateful for, I guess. And, uh, I will, um, I will credit friend of the show, Dan Decker by saying that, um, this particular episode, the, the producers set the phasers to plot Mm. because in like this entire season, anyone who gets shot gets disintegrated into digital ash. And this episode was the only episode in which people were shot and there were burn marks on them and they died. Why is that? Why is that? Because the plot needed us to to see that in order for us to have the Liam Shaw moment where he gets to redeem himself in the eyes of us 
and the crew. So everyone in this episode, no one was shot and disintegrated. Obviously, the crew, the 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 old folks, right? The cocoon crew of of the <laughs> Titan. Uh, Plus ten points, sir. Thank wow. you, thank you, sir. Um, they they set their phasers to stun because they, you know, these these kids were were they don't know what they're doing, right? They've been assimilated against their own will. Um, so they're set to stun and they've got the blue lasers that shoot out of their phasers. Um, but, but the, but the drones are set to whatever maximum, maximum death, right? And maximum death in this season, right? Maximum death in this. Maximum death. That's a RoboCop Star Trek. Right, right. Yes. I'll buy that for a dollar, right? But what has been established in this season is that maximum death on the phaser setting is digital ash. Everyone, it didn't matter if you had a phaser shotgun or a phaser machine gun or a phaser rifle or a phaser pistol or a retro OG Star Trek phaser like Jack did when he went over to the Borg ship. Where did he get that oh, from? I had the same question. What right? Did, where did that come from? So Did he grab it from the so, bounty when they were picking right. up the, uh, the cloaking device? Right, right. <laughs> he stole it from the museum. Right, he, you know, he, he deserves he just, to be assimilated. Right, he's, he's, these kids he's these stole, days with their right. blue phasers. He's that that thing is set to moderate death, Matt. Turn that dial, Greenhorn. You <laughs> <laughs> need maximum death here. He stole it from the set of Strange New Worlds. Uh, he stole it directly from Christopher Pike. Anson Mount lent it to him because uh, they ran out of phasers. Um, but like all of the phasers this season have been set to disintegrate. Um, we have watched so many people turn into digital ash. Yeah. And, and this particular episode, no one turns into digital ash and I didn't understand it. Like a veritable until Thanos Shaw, snap. Right. Right. Until Captain Shaw laid on the ground and had his death moment. And, and you know, what sucked about that is because they, they spent so much time, right. They had, done such a wonderful job and Todd Stashwick had done such a wonderful job of coloring, coloring inside the lines for the, this dynamic character that his death didn't seem earned, nor did we get a chance to mourn him in a way that seemed befitting of a character that they spent so much time building up and, and, and creating something with. Um, during the course of this season. So, yeah, so, I mean, I was uh, very, very disappointed with that. And, and there was a doctor uh, right there. Right. That's true. I didn't think true. about that. Until, like, Crusher's just like, nah, I don't care. I'm not going to save him. I, I, I have always, always wondered what the composition of blasters and phasers were and how certain people can get shot and die. Yeah. Even though they're wearing armored plating like stormtroopers and other people can get shot in the arm and say I love you like Princess Leia and 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 you know in Empire in uh, Return of the Jedi, right? Like what constitutes a killing shot with a concentrated heat ray? We have a running joke on on reengage that there's different phaser settings. One of them is head explodey. 
another <laughs> one is, maximum death, is right? yeah, that uh, is maximum uh, metallurgy, death. like being able to. Right, right. Like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There's, <laughs> okay. it, it is. It's just plot. It's whatever you want it's it to be. Plot, yeah. It doesn't right. matter. It, but I noted it as well that even Shelby gets shot in the in like, why would yes. they just blow her up? Yeah, and her body didn't her. react at all. So like, obviously, right, no, they didn't tell the actress they were going to kill right. her. Right. They just digitally painted that in. I think it's stun, kill metallurgy minimum death and then maximum Max, death. Yeah. settings but where's the is head explodey after maximum death? it must be yeah ma- I, head I think those are synonymous yeah <laughs> right <laughs> that only works on bug creatures right right <laughs> speaking, speaking of plot let's let's finish it up by by talking about how uh jordy leaves the crew via the shuttlecraft to the starfleet museum where he reveals that he secretly rebuilt the Enterprise D after its destruction. It is now the, is now the only operable starship without Borg-designed uh, Battlestar. I mean, Borg-designed swarm intelligence enhancements. Um, the Enterprise's old crew press her back into service to save the Federation from the Borg. No beating around the bush. How did the return of the Enterprise D hit everyone? Did it hit the right note? Were you surprised that they rebuilt the set of the bridge? Um, Kyle, since you predicted this, since you said that they telegraph, you know, if there was one thing that they actually did telegraph throughout the course of the season, this is the one thing that you correctly said that they did. How did this hit you? Um, genuinely, I... I was surprised, and it was nicer than I. Th- this was the hook. This is the reason I rewatched the episode like six times, because I just, I just couldn't believe they did that, and I needed to see that. And seeing those characters in that space, despite how they got there, it, it, it tasted delicious, and it was very freaking sentimental. It was dripping with sentimentality and romanticism, and they played the old Goldsmith score. Mm-hmm. And, and I just, it looked good. They really did rebuild the whole damn thing. And they said they shot on it for like two days and it's dismantled now. That was over a year ago, but like it, it looked good. I don't know. I I think I like it. I'm still, I'm still unsure. When they sent the original series off, at the end of Star Trek six, like that was your send off. It was a sentimental thing. It was a really good, a good damn movie. Good plot. Good, good story. We didn't even get that. We didn't get that kind of sentimentality. You know, they signed their names at the end of the movie. We know who was in the movie. Fantastic. Very <laughs> sentimental. Nobody rebuilt an entire, we rebuilt uh, the original series bridge a couple of times for DS nine trial and tribulations. And right. for uh, the Scotty episode, and TNG, like we've seen it. I don't know if it was dripping with this much sentimentality before. So I'm mixed, man. I don't know how I feel. It it, it did feel good. But but then like at the end of prom night, I'm not really sure if it was a good or a, a negative progression of behaviors at the, by the end <laughs> of the night. You know, like is this a good my character? I'm not sure. Am I happy? I don't know. <laughs> Greg, uh, you uh, of all of us have probably spent the most recent intimate time with the Enterprise D. Um, yeah. How did it feel seeing it in 4K in a different show? It was cool. I think that was the promise of this 
series and season that they would get back to there and have that kind of reunion moment. I liked their reactions, right? Like I felt what they felt when they saw it for the first time. And, uh, it was, uh, really great to, uh, walk on that bridge again, the way it was shot. They, you're right. They just lovingly like showed each of the, the consoles, even the, the, the lighting, uh, on the roof of the, of the set, like that worked really well. I remember just like the way it appears in, uh, the next generation, um, the banter I wasn't really that into. I thought it was a little too snarky. I actually wanted them to just really feel it a little bit more. Um, instead, it was it was uh, built for uh, for comedy. I act. I mean, I that being said, I did like that Picard mentions the carpet because the carpet was the one thing that does not look like it does on the original. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was a little bit more shaggy, a little bit more uh, uh, tough than the other ones uh, coming yeah. up there. Um, but overall, I thought it was the promise of, of of bringing these characters back together that they had to end up on this bridge. The thing I don't understand is now how they're gonna fly it with just six people now. It was a crew of <laughs> I mean, thousand on that three, ship, right? 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 Like it, it was there was tons of people, families. What are they gonna do? Uh, <laughs> but it was interesting. I like that they they they. Uh, Jordy said they cobbled parts from the uh, USS Syracuse. That's I was born in Syracuse, New York, so I have there that connection go. there. So my bones are actually in those nacelles, um, nice. in some ways. Um, but yeah, I, I uh, it was it was so close to being like exactly what I wanted, but it was a little bit off. It was like it was um, it was like Back to the Future two where I wanted it I wanted it to be really uh, seeing the what I loved about the first one. And it just it didn't quite fit together the way I in, envisioned it when I was a kid. Ty, uh, the Enterprise D, this is, this is the Enterprise that you grew up with. How did it feel seeing it again with the full complement on the bridge. Uh, yeah, you know, from my youth, I always remember the thing I loved most about the Enterprise D was the way that the bridge crew just stood around staring at the the set and making jokes uh, and not getting <laughs> anything done when the universe was in danger. Uh, and this brought me right back there. Um, <laughs> I'm so, like, just by this point in the episode, it was like, yo, you needed to say engage, like, four episodes ago like seriously stop standing around like the fleet has been assimilated and it's pointed at earth you've actually shown us that shot four times now so like i think you guys should probably fire up those engines and like get a plan together and like it would also be great if like while you're at it you could tell me as a viewer what that plan is um and i just like I get that like that's the nostalgia trip we were all waiting for, but I was so distracted by that point in the episode by just like how frustrated I was with the pacing of everything. I was just like, I, I'm not interested in like the, the banter right now. I'm interested in you like going and like solving this galaxy problem. ending problem. Yeah. That you've introduced. Um, one of so Ty and I have been friends for a really long time. And, you know, when you're friends with, with people for a long time, there, there, there are comments that they make that are, that are like, 
innocuous to them but indelible to you and and Uh-oh. one that, one that one that tide made was as everyone was rightfully gaga over um the original mass effect uh ty had a, a great moment where he sat down down and he said look you know this game is great and everything but like the middle part of the game you spend meandering through a mall but meanwhile, like every conversation you have is talking about how you need to hurry up and help us save the universe from annihilation. But first, let me go make let me go and do this drop for the, you know, the tchotchke store yeah. on the second floor of the mall. Oh, right? like dipping dots. Right. This is my favorite spot in the Citadel. Like it's incredible how um we have those types of moments and this is another one of those moments. It really felt like, you know, I call them the cocoon crew, um, you know, in jest, but they really are playing that part, right? They're playing the part of uh, the bucket list, right? Like it's, it's a bunch of, <laughs> a bunch of people that, you know, that are kind of past, right, right. Like they're, right, they're <laughs> exactly. They're, they're like, that is part of the joke. And, and I get it. It's funny. It's great. But at the same point, Ty is right, right? Like, the reason that they're on that ship is not to take this trip down memory lane. The reason they're on this ship is because the uh, the, the showrunners watched Battlestar Galactica and was like, hey, that's a good idea. And let's make the Enterprise-D be that ship that's not networked with the rest of the ship so we can actually go and defeat the Cylons. I mean, the Borg. Um, so like, so let's get to it. Right. And, and they eventually did get to it. Um, but the one thing that I will say, you know, and, and, you know, like, uh, it's kind of tongue in cheek what I said, but, but actually I do kind of mean it. Um, actually I very much mean it. Um, but the other thing that I will say is, and, and to Kyle's point, I am of two minds with this is that this was the second money shot of the season. Right. So this, like these were there were two things that were in the heads of the people that were creating this show, creating this season that they said they that they must do and in order to 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 make it a success. The first one was the ready room table shot with everyone you know sitting around the ready room table and the other was everyone on the bridge of the Enterprise D. Right. We needed both of those things to happen in order for us to feel like all of Picard was worth it. Right. This is what this is what we as the viewers came to see and hope that we'd get to see at some point when we heard that Picard was going to be a series. And this was the thing that we had been waiting for more specifically when we found out that the the OG crew was going to get back together for the final season of Picard. And we got those things and they were lovely and they made me feel good. And nostalgia is great. And it hit all the serotonin levels, but at the same time, we still have a job to do. We still have a show to watch. We still have a, uh, a species and a, a uh, military complex and a government to save from, you know, from Something. the Cylon Borg thing threat. Yeah. The Daleks. Um, yeah, right. They're Borg changelings now, so they basically are Cylons. 
Or they could have been if they wanted them to be. But I guess right. Um, Still got a whole episode. There probably will be. Yeah, 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 yeah. We got plenty of time. Plenty of time. Um, uh, so, so speaking speaking of plenty of time, Ty, uh, what are the predictions for the for the finale? Do you guys find it crazy that we have one episode left of this crew on that ship? Uh, of course, it's crazy. Uh, but okay, normally I'm not like a predicting person, and I don't like spend a lot of time while I'm watching something trying to uh, put the pieces together and get like I, you know I just kind of go along for the ride. This time. I've got a prediction I feel pretty good about. Um, okay. So here's what I think is going to happen. Uh, basically, Jack, um, <clears throat> obviously he's the key to this whole thing, right? Remember what happened with Data. Jack is going to get assimilated because he got like stabbed, assimilated by the Queen or whatever, right? But he is going to, he is the voice, right? You don't assimilate Jack. Jack assimilates you. Um, and so the Borg, he, he becomes connected to the collective, right? He hooks into all these voices, but they're not just voices. Jack is an emotional guy. He's a sensitive and a caring guy, right? And so the voices that he hears when he hooks up to the collective aren't random people. They're Tavine and, well, wait, that's the one who got shot, right? But it's, right, it's right, Sydney yeah. and it's, it's all these Starfleet people and it's all these other, you know, people that he's met over time that have used the transporters and been assimilated or whatever. And just like he can control Sydney. He like he is the voice, right? He is going to control the fleet, and I don't know what he's going to do. But Jack is going to take control of the assimilated fleet, and Jack is going to save the day. I think uh, it's very like Seven is going to be also pretty important because obviously she's immune to the thing um, and potentially has some special Borg stuff going on. Um, I think it's even possible that like uh, not in like a big way, but like. Um, people that they kind of wiped off the page. Like, I think, is, like, Eleanor still around? Like, could he potentially show up? Like, I don't think he ever used transporters. Um, right. Laris, you know, was a, like, she's she's not a woman who sits around, right? Like, these are people who I think could show up in kind of, like, supporting-ish roles. Um, but I think, basically, this is going to be about Jack um, discovering who he truly is and learning that he doesn't need to run from that, but that by embracing that, uh, he he's going to be the key to everything, and then he's going to like I don't know inherit Chateau Picard or something. So that's that's my prediction. <laughs> that's uh that's a hell of a one. It's it's actually a pretty good one. Um, you know, so that means it won't happen. Greg, uh, what is what is your prediction for the finale? And and do you are you do you feel some kind of way about the fact that this this is potentially it for Jean-Luc Picard and Will Riker and and so many of the other people on, that are on that bridge crew. Um, I I'm, I'm like Ty in that I don't necessarily uh, uh, traffic in predictions very often. Um, but for this one, I keep thinking about Allison Pill and 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 her Borg collective. I feel like right. that needs to come back because otherwise, why would they do all that before? Like I don't know. I feel like <laughs> she's got to come through the time vortex. And they're going to be good went board. off to space. Right? Poochie is Jack. <laughs> I, I do think that, uh, Jack Crusher and and Allison Pill are going to have a baby, and it's going to be wonderful. Um, the new Borg will uh, be allies of the uh, Elnor Romulans. I don't know, but as far as the bridge crew, I don't know. I think that I, I feel a bit uh, about their their send off here. Um, and I think I'm I'm just still on the fact that I don't get to have 
the building of their relationships and and them like understanding where they are right now because it's just the only way you can wrap it up in 47 minutes is to be this breakneck pace and so we're not going to get a real explanation maybe one line about Riker and Deanna's uh resolution we're gonna one line about um you know Jerry Ryan and uh uh Rafi having their, you know, relationship get resolved. It's all going to be very, very quick. And I, I'm really already disappointed about how all of these yeah. various storylines are going to resolve. Um, and I just want to go on record as saying I think Vatic was a really good uh, villain that I w mm -hmm. I'm kind of mad that she got killed so early. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that could have been a through line that would have pulled me through this plot uh, of, of these next few episodes. And I think they did uh, data and lore dirty by having it be this weird dream sequence that now they're the same person. Now uh, I would have loved to have explored that relationship a lot more. Cause that was one of my favorite through lines was lore and his uh, uh, brotherly jealousy of his brother. Uh, I thought that was really great and that wasn't really played out. All we got to see was little statues and mementos and spot uh, make a return. Um, right. so I, I, I'm basically going to predict that I'm going to be disappointed by the bridge crews stories not being resolved and, uh, pining for the quieter, less universe ending stakes that, uh, could have really developed these characters a little bit more. Well, well said. And I, I am sincerely hoping that you are not disappointed, <laughs> Me too. Um, but by, by the end of, uh, next week. Kyle, as our regular Trexpert, um, our resident Trexpert, um, please explain to us how you feel about this potentially being the last time we see the crew of the Enterprise D, and what are your predictions for how this series will end? I feel like I wanted a better story. Like I'm not in here to see characters sign off for the last time or sign. I, I'm not, they, they build this season as like a, the next generation's cast final send off. And that's fine. That's not why I showed up. I wanted to watch some Star Trek and I've, I've got more mixed feelings than I had before. Like the whole time we've been doing these reviews, like you guys have listened to me talk about, how I feel Metallus and at all have been handling this and it's been mostly good stuff. And this episode's a little bit of a misstep, but I, I don't know how I'm going to feel about it until they're until the last episode and the credits roll. I might have a feeling then I certainly had a feeling when they walked up on the enterprise D bridge and I wasn't expecting that, but that's not why I showed up. You know, I showed up for the hot dog. Someone serves me ice cream. I'm, I'm going to eat it if it's in front of me, you know, um, <laughs> I'd have a uh, an explanation and a prediction. I think the explanation here for this episode being so so much more squirrely than previous is that after season two of Picard was so bad, um, <laughs> twenty seven percent of Rotten Tomatoes. Alex Kurtzman threw his hands up and was like, "You can do whatever you want. Here's your chance, young buck. Head out." And Metallus and crew are in the room and they're writing and they're writing and they're trying to balance all the pieces and they're doing a good job with the material. And then Kurtzman walks by and says, what the hell are you doing? Changelings, change that to the Borg right now. And maybe that's what happened. Prediction, the Enterprise D warps into the Sol system in front of 300 starships. 
and starts to defend Earth's space dock gets obliterated. All next generation cast die horrifically in a, in a giant explosion, destroying the remodeled 20 year project of Jordi LaForge, the Enterprise D. They die. And then you hear computer in program, and it's Captain Archer and Paul in their first holodeck. <laughs> so it's like uh, a play. Like right, Lieutenant right. Barclay, who's like, oh, yeah, yeah oh, right, yes, Lieutenant, yes. Yeah, that's, you know what, funny. Uh, yeah, Barkley is the only, like, regular recurring character from, from TNG that we haven't seen. Or O'Brien. Yeah, and O'Brien, right, and O'Brien. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I love that. I love, the, I love the fact that the holodeck exists for the NX-01. <laughs> but does not exist for the 1701A. Uh, you know. <laughs> that, that so, sir, can be explained with some techno babble. There you go. Yeah. There you go. There's DNA. Um, so, uh, yeah, that is that is a great, great explanation. Um, I'd love to see all of these things um, mixed together and, and be some version of what we wind up seeing. Um, I don't know that I have any predictions for what it's going to be, um, what I was hoping would would not happen actually did happen. I had been saying that I had been holding my breath and and kind of still being you know was is still tensed up and waiting for the other shoe to drop the entire season. Um, and you know, and that's not necessarily a fun place to be. Uh, but it is the place that Picard has has sent me over the course of two seasons, especially after season two. Um, and unfortunately, uh, I, I was I, I feel like I was proven right to be to have that level of trepidation to continue to have that level of trepidation over the course of the season, because uh, as Kyle has previously previously stated, I believe that we got some brilliant Trek over the course of the previous uh, eight episodes, you know, to, to varying degrees, but, uh, but there were, there were lots of plot points that were, that were posed there that could have developed into some really, really tasty fruit. And um, for the most part, it doesn't seem like that's what we got. Um, Instead, we, we got essentially what, what seems like, um a a corporate a corporate uh contract that needed to be satisfied where they they had already signed an endorsement deal with the Borg to be in all three seasons um and and they told Terry Metallus and his writing team way too late um that they didn't read that Borg Borg clause in yeah. their uh in their showrunners agreement um Borg clause we've got we've got a lot of stuff to do we've got not a lot of time to do it and we have very little drama in in the sense that you know like there's no way that you can convince me that that anyone's in any well that the earth or starfleet are in any peril um the fact that there may be a character or two that we that we've known over the course of the last 30 years that may not make it to the end to the end credits is a very real possibility, um, which would which 
would suck because like Captain Shaw, um, they don't deserve to not be mourned in a very real way if that is the choice that that is made. Um, but it is possible that that's the choice that is made. Um, and uh, how do I feel about leaving this crew? Uh, I'll just leave you with this. All good things. Mm. That was the best send off uh, they could have ever had. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so uh, that was the plot. That was the penultimate episode of the final season of Picard. And while I know that some people that watch or that listen to Discovery Debrief come for our analysis of that particular episode, we really know that most people come for this segment right here. It's pedantic continuity time. That is not Chris. It, oh, Chris said it was him? Chris said it was him. Really? Really? Auto-tune? I could have sworn it. Yeah, I could. Yeah, really. That's, uh, you know, that's uh, some Kanye West shit right there. Uh, so, <laughs> so uh, yeah, pedantic, it's time for pedantic continuity time. Uh, it is the redundancy office of redundancy uh, from the fine editors at Memory Alpha. Uh after TNG's Yesterday's Enterprise, this is the first episode to feature multiple ships bearing the same name in a congruent timeline, namely with the appearances of the USS Enterprise NX-01, the USS Enterprise A, the USS Enterprise D, and the USS Enterprise F, as well as the USS Excelsior NCC-2000 and the USS Excelsior ncc 42,037. Uh, it is stated in this episode that Frontier Day is the anniversary of the day that that wait, wait, Enterprise before... was first launched in 2051. Yes. I was just going to say, I, the Excelsior uh, was captained by Nolan North. Did you guys catch that? I did not. I, I heard Nolan the Nolan North was, uh, was the actor that, on that one. That's uh, why that sounded so weird. Yeah. Yes. He was a voice actor. Yes. Yeah, uh, we made the, it. Uh, we did it. The <laughs> Last of Us, right? He was the uh, yes. the the main yes. in, in the Last of Us before um, the Mandalorian Nolan, took over. Nolan North is has now cemented himself into the lore of Star Trek. He is both in Star Trek and in Star Wars and in everything else and in Star Superman, Batman, and yeah. Batman right? Destiny and Uncharted and Last of Us and. Yeah, he's in everything that you do. He is Frank Welker. Oh, and by um, another another note. Sorry if I'm breaking right, up the yeah, segment. Yeah, no, no, please. This is is pedantic continuity time. <laughs> this <laughs> note is directly in contradiction to what Jordy says, which this was the only ship that was not on the network. You're in a freaking museum that has right. relics from all of the the previous thing they could have done the 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 bounty like you had said like they should have done the bounty the presumption is that none of those other ships were space worthy that they that they are relics well, that are sitting there? in in dock there well they were they were towed you know there you have okay seen, yeah right. right you haven't seen the uh the starfleet's tow truck fleet 
That's a series. Now the they're on a series we yes. love and deserve. Yeah. Yes, the tow truck armada. It would have been on. cool if they were like, oh yeah, all the shuttles and runabouts aren't networked and do like a Dunkirk situation. Like we got to right. draft like a. <laughs> Actually, that would have been cool. That would have been, cool. been cool. That would have been really cool. A lot of things would have uh, been cool. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Just slide into my DMs, Terry. There you go. There you go. You heard it here first. Just kidding. I don't have DMs. Uh, right. <laughs> but I do have BMs. Right. <laughs> uh, Worf was blamed for the involvement in the otherwise unknown demise of the USS Enterprise E. Worf could be referencing the events of Prodigy, ep- Prodigy episode Supernova Part 2, in which a ship bearing the Enterprise E's markings was attacked by the living construct. Um, this episode confirms that Captain Worf, oh, spoiler alerts for uh, Prodigy, um, this episode confirms that Captain Worf was the first Klingon to command a Federation starship. So breaking barriers that is cool. Worf at all times. Can you break a glass um, ceiling with a batleth? If it's a glass blood-soaked ceiling? Yes. Yeah. Yes. I do like that Worf has all of his weapons with him at all times now. It does no display cases, no no gun racks. It's just always strapped onto him. Has Absolutely. he ripped out a mechlith yet? I'm I haven't noticed. Oh, uh, he's saving that for the finale. Come on, man. Yeah, that's true. That's, uh, true. that's true. Beheadings are on Wednesdays. Right, right. <laughs> Shelby, uh, who first appeared in the in the best of both worlds, is finally given the name of Elizabeth in canon. A name which originated in non-canon sources and has been used for the past several decades. Uh, also, the name of the actor, the first name of the actor who is playing uh, Shelby. So may, that may have had as Something much to, to do, do with it as as anything else. Did anybody else know how like they just interchange first names and last names? Like, there's no like any uh, uh, no. standardization of that at all. No, absolutely. I, I think it's just especially a, now. I think it's just like a white people thing, you know. Right. Well, well. Uh, so Jordy made a point of calling Picard Jean Luc through right? most of this season, and it felt very anachronistic. Me, I thought that too, especially because yeah. it's like it's his captain. Yeah. That was like you would right. always say captain or or, or right. at least right. And admin. and I, you know, I mean, I, I I guess that was a choice, and the you know and and i'm sure somewhere along the lines if you know if we had the chance to ask uh lavar burton i think that the choice was that that commandant laforge looked at retired admiral jean-luc picard as an equal yeah at this point especially since he wasn't commissioned as anything anymore and the admiral uh demarcation for Picard was more ceremonial and out of respect than anything else. Cause he, he was, I guess, officially retired and then he kind of was back, but, but whatever. But now he's an android right? now. So who cares? Yeah. Somebody right. Who cares? Yeah. Yeah. yeah so the one that stuck out for me was when Shaw was trying to tell them to get into the, in the thing, he goes, Beverly and Riker. Go. Yes. And I was like, yes. pick one dude. Well, like, right. Especially right. when the names, right. Is an important thing yes. with Hanson and seven of uh, you know right. uh, seven right. of nine. So. That is true. Yeah. I I definitely did think about that as well. Like, uh, why did he call? Why didn't he call her Crusher? Right? Like he called. I, he literally called the other guy by his last name. He wasn't like Beverly and Billy 
go. <laughs> James, you're next. Yeah, right. I, I think with the Jordy and John Luke thing, I, like I kind of view them as like co-captains of a sort. Like he's captain of engineering, so like maybe even during the show, they're. I mean, sure. It's not obviously they're not ranked that way, but that's that's kind of how it felt sometimes. So maybe it's. A bit Did of you guys that. talk about what the commandant? right rank means because i've never heard that before in starfleet no i have not heard it before either i i feel like it is it is an admiral that doesn't have right it's like the commander uh it's like the admiral commander the only commandant i know is from police academy yeah i was gonna say it's like when you're in charge of a police academy right so well i i mean it's what's what's funny to me is that cisco was the captain of DS9, but he was a commander mm. through throughout that entire thing, even though he was running running the ship. And and but there was no ship. It was a star, you know, it was a space station. Yeah. And here is Jordy also running a thing that is not a ship, but is a space station. So it was like, you know, here is the the admiralty of people who stay in one spot. And, and people were calling Cisco Benjamin nonstop. But the, I, I actually yeah. thought the thing with LaForge was because, like, thematically, like, there, uh, Picard is asking LaForge to get involved as a Starfleet officer, but LaForge is responding as a father. And mm-hmm. uh, Picard is also a father now. And so, uh, yeah, looking back now with the whole, like, Beverly Riker thing, I see that maybe it was just a little bit. Uh, scattershot, but yeah, the kind of the way I took it was like that was like LaForge asserting kind of like, hey, the way I'm answering you is not in the way of this chain of command, right? It's like we each have this responsibility, and you need you should understand that now, right? And then they kind of yeah. dash that out. Yeah. Great, great, yeah, answer. Johnny. SpaceX has space consequences, Johnny. <laughs> Johnny, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, Deanna's out there with clones eating clones, eating bad pizza. Well, oh, oh, the changelings. Oh, no, changelings, changelings, yeah. Eating bad pizza. <laughs> there's, there's a great TNG episode where they find out these people are all clones. Like it's kind of it's kind of like a like a Cylon situation where there's only like a few different models of people, and like it's it's like clearly a show of its time because as the TNG crew figures out what's going on, they're just like clones, clones. It cuts to like four different people, and like in a row, they're just like. <laughs> clones like Pulaski yeah. <laughs> is like appalled and like Riker is appalled it's it's like so great it's so cute every spit take clones <laughs> what and they're like clones yeah. Yeah, why aren't we bringing that cut track commercial yeah. right right it was it was an act break uh <laughs> So, Jordy's Jordy's work on the Enterprise D included restoring the bridge back to its 2365 through 2370 configuration, omitting the additional stations and raised command platform present when the ship crash landed in Star Trek Generations. I didn't notice that. I didn't notice that. But I did notice that the, the chairs in the center didn't look the same. No, they did not have the additional consoles. Yeah. The So, the... The captain's chair definitely had command consoles, but the the chair for number one and the chair for Counselor Troy did not have the council the consoles that they had. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. That that we originally saw. Yeah. There's been uh, several configurations of that bridge. Yeah. So so Jordy's a purist. Yes. Yes. Definitely. Um, the use of the late Major Barrett. As the Enterprise computer announcing the command of the ship belonging to Picard 
was taken partly from TNG Chain of Command Part 2 when Captain Edward Jellicoe transferred command back to Picard. The first part, Authorization Acknowledged, is from TNG episode Starship Mine. That's good. Uh, that that's I, really I have to good. admit when the, when we heard her voice that was that was when the moment started to get me. I was yeah. like, "Oh, yes. yeah. yeah." Yeah. I was worried yeah. they were going to say they did it through AI or something like that, but I'm glad right, they just right. used what, old tape. Yeah, that's that's for uh yeah, the you know, the revived episode. They'll they'll do that. They'll just add AI. Um <laughs> Well, uh, Kyle, thank you so much for taking the time to join us yet again. Um, once more, please tell people wh- where they can interface with your work. Uh, thank you for having me. Always fun. It's fun to talk Trek. So my only outlet for talking Trek right now, um, www.trekspertise.com. I'm in that box, the video box. That's where I live. All right. Well, thank you very much. Uh, we'll we'll make sure to check you out in that video box. Greg, uh, thank you so much for being bold and brave enough to come back and visit our uh, tough little ship. Uh, we really, really appreciate your visit. Thank you so much for having me back. It's super fun. Yeah. yeah well, um, you know, please plug. Uh, give us give us your impressions of the season. Um, this episode notwithstanding, and please plug all the things that you're that you're doing. Uh, well, overall, I was uh, into it, and then not so much. Um, so I will we'll see. It's been the same for season one, season two, uh, and now season three. So at least they're consistent in disappointing me, <laughs> particularly. Um, so spoken like a true Trek fan, sir. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, you can find out everything I'm doing. I just created a website at gregtito.com. That's where oh, I am plugging my book, ready. Welcome to Dragon Talk. That is a bunch of essays about. Dungeons and Dragons right. Congratulations. And podcast there. So you can buy copies. Uh, there's an audible version of it, audiobook that I recorded. So you can check that out um, with my co-host and co-author, Shelly Mazanoble. And uh, then you can find out episodes of Reengage if you want to go back to uh, a better time of Star Trek. I won't say that every episode created in those 20 episode plus seasons were great but some of them are legitimately uh very 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 good and much better than what we've seen uh in this picard so far um and uh would love to see uh four gen x people talking about watching trek when they were young and returning to it now uh as adult storytellers uh like i said at the top we're in the middle of season four right now but go back and watch all the uh the ones if you're into watching next generation with a couple of guides along the way and Cicero you've been on a couple of times we've got to get you back on yes. and uh, if you guys have favorite episodes of uh, season four through seven that you want to jump on and talk about in depth let me know all right well and uh friend of the show uh Sharif Jackson was recently on an episode so uh yeah uh, I mean it's a great place to be yep. to re-engage. We talked about clues. Yes. Yes. With Sharif, who was um, awesome. So, uh, yeah. Well, Greg, thank you so much. And uh, please, if you ever happen to be in our quadrant of space, please uh, send out a hail and frequency. We would love to bring you back aboard. 
Right. <laughs> well, uh, that's it for episode 93 of Discovery Debrief. We hope you enjoyed the show. And if you did, please like and follow us on our, all our social media pl- uh, channels. If you'd be so kind, we'd also appreciate it if you wrote a review for the show, wherever you found it. It only takes a minute. And let us know if you wrote one, and we'll be happy to read it on the air when it's posted. If you have any questions, you can follow the show on Twitter at DSC Debrief. And feel free to send us questions through Twitter or by emailing us at hailingfrequencies at discoverydebrief.com. Please be sure to set your courses for this feed for future episodes and be sure to join us next time as we discuss what is likely to be the final adventure of our friends from the Enterprise-D and the last ride of that ship itself. As always, though, until we meet again, please go boldly, my friends. Make it so.